The date is officially set for Texas and Oklahoma's departure from the Big 12 to join the SEC in 2024, and Horns 24-7 has all of the insight into the negotiations that led to an exit agreement being reached. I'm Taylor Esses, joined by Horns 24-7 columnist Chip Brown, who has been a leading reporter throughout the negotiations that the Big 12 in Texas have had um, before their departure leading to the SEC. So Chip, let's get right to it. Big 12 announced Thursday night that Texas and Oklahoma will leave the conference officially and join the SEC July 1st, 2024. We've talked a lot about this on the flagship podcast. You've written a lot about this over at horns247.com. There have been a lot of changes, it seems, in the last week. But what has happened in the last week that led to the parties finally reaching an exit agreement? Yeah, it's been interesting because I think, uh, well, I know according to Texas officials, they were expecting this agreement to come out on January 30th, um, the day before the Big 12 released its 2023 football schedule. And we've been talking here on the flagship podcast and in the insider at horns247.com that Texas and OU wanted that exit agreement uh, done before the 2023 football schedule came out. That's why the 2023 Big 12 football schedule was seven weeks late. Uh, but then uh, Fox is is was sort of the holdup here. Fox and ESPN, the television partners of the Big 12, um, it's complicated because even though Fox and ESPN are partners in the Big 12 and will continue to be even in the new media rights agreement that was reached uh, for the for the new Big 12 starting in 2025, they are adversaries when it comes to ESPN's interest in the SEC and ESPN's desire to get Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC when ESPN's broadcast rights for the SEC began in 2024. So Fox had, um, you know, they wanted to be made whole for the games that they would be missing from Texas and Oklahoma. And they, you know, were able to ask for uh, kind of whatever they wanted and they they asked for a lot but in the end Taylor uh, they're they're gonna get uh, 20 million of the hundred million combined Texas and Oklahoma are each gonna pay 50 million dollars in um, you know diluted revenue they're gonna take less revenue in their final year of the big 12 this coming you know 23 24 school year uh, and then they're gonna take less in the first year in the SEC, um, and that money will be transferred from, um, you know, ESPN to the conference. Uh, Fox will get twenty million of that, and the remaining legacy schools in the Big Twelve will get the other eighty million, ten million uh, per school. And yes, there was a request by Fox, and it proved to be the um, the trigger that finalized the deal um, for Fox. They wanted Texas's um, uh, home game against Michigan in 2024 uh, to be played at Michigan in 2024 with the return date in 2027 being played at Texas. Uh, the reason for this is it by playing it at Michigan, it becomes a Fox broadcast. Uh, Fox got the big got the big 10 
uh, media rights deal, and um, they uh, will have the the rights to it. Uh, and they they sublicensed to NBC and CBS and excluded ESPN. It's the first time ESPN is not going to have any broadcast rights uh, in the Big Ten for decades. Um, and so this is a you know this was a tough one for ESPN because obviously. Uh, by having that game at Texas, it's an ESPN game and keeps ESPN with a marquee game involving a Big Ten school. By losing it uh, to Fox, it's a you know it's a double whammy, and and ESPN doesn't really have a marquee Big Ten game in 2024. So um, it it was a big deal, and I have confirmed with officials at Michigan and Texas that this. You know the contract hasn't been signed yet, but it's it's going to be done, and and so that is what ultimately, um, you know, kind of sealed the deal. And we got the announcement uh, on Thursday night that Texas and OU will indeed be going to the SEC uh, beginning in 2024. Yeah, you mentioned the the Michigan game kind of being impacted. Looking at the future schedules for out-of-conference games scheduled for Texas, they have a few um, coming up, pretty big ones. There's Georgia coming up. There's Ohio State coming up. You Obviously, the Michigan one is being impacted by this change. Are there any other games that will, the non-conference games that will potentially change of future schedules that Texas already has agreed upon? Not it, not that I know of at this point. Now you mentioned those future games against Georgia coming up. That will obviously become a conference game, and and we'll see because the SEC, you know, part of the reason this thing needed to come together. Uh, typically, the drop dead deadline is like May um, for scheduling to begin for um, the the year after the upcoming football season. In other words, the 2024 scheduling will, will begin immediately uh, for both the big 12 and the sec. And so, you know, that's, that's exciting. Um, the sec just had meetings uh, within the last three weeks. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma were part of those meetings. They're trying to figure out if they're going to go to a nine game conference schedule with three non-conference games, they're obviously uh, it, it's looking like they're gonna they're gonna have divisionless. Um, it's gonna be a divisionless conference, and you'll have three regular annual opponents, and then they'll rotate the other six. And that way, you're not going more than four years without playing everyone in the league. Uh, in the past, it's embarrassing. Um, the way that years would go by um, Alabama and Georgia, I think went, you know, like more than 10 years without playing a, a regular season game. And so this will, will change that. Uh, and now the sec can get to work on those schedules. Um, but it was interesting because everyone's like, Oh, the big 12, they're, they were trying to stick it to Texas and OU the big 12, uh, signed off on this a while ago. Brett Yormark, the conference commissioner, the legacy schools, they were good with Texas and OU moving on after they got their new media rights deal, which will actually pay them a little more, like at least $2 million per school more 
beginning in 2025 after Texas and OU have left. And we know Brett Yormark is also aggressively um, courting schools in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 still does not have a media rights agreement. And the Pac-12's talking to SMU and San Diego State about joining their conference. And, and that's going to be critical for the Pac-12 to add two more schools for inventory purposes because their media rights deal is probably going to have a huge streaming component. And I'm hearing it's going to be a big streaming component for Friday night games in the, in the Pac-12. But, um, you know, so it, it's been fascinating. It's a 30 for 30 for sure uh, with how Fox and ESPN have had to coexist. And in the past, it's been, you know, pretty friendly, pretty cooperative, but it, it did change uh, after Fox got the Big Ten media rights and sublicensed to NBC and CBS and excluded ESPN. So um, this was a uh, this was quite a quite an exchange, quite a negotiation session. I had one source tell me uh, it. I've been you know negotiating on this hard for three months. It felt like three years. So uh, it's uh, it's done and and Texas and Oklahoma, you know, hundred million combined, 50 million each. It's, it sounds like a lot, but Taylor, remember uh, the initial, I mean, the bylaws that Texas and OU both voted on in 2012 for everyone agreeing to stay in the league for 99 years calls for two years of revenue to be forfeited uh, based on what schools were paid this year, a little over 42 million that would put it at close to 85 million. Uh, so getting out for 50 million uh, plus making Fox whole is a pretty good deal. I know that doesn't sound like it, but um, it's a it's a pretty good deal. Although I think a lot of UT officials wanna, they're wondering why on earth UT signed that uh, 99 year agreement back in 2012. But um, it is a 50 million is less than and certainly less than what it could have been. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, chip reported over at horns 24 seven that um, former big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby was pretty much going scorched earth. Once Texas and Oklahoma, you know, decided to leave the conference for the sec when that news dropped in the summer of 2021. And he wanted to get every single dollar of that $85 million exit fee from them. Um, and also, you know, accused ESPN of tampering. I mean, you name it, it was, it was like watching, you know, the first hearing of a divorce hearing, honestly, and it was the angry ex that didn't want the divorce to kind of happen. And so, you know, 50 million sounds like a lot, but it seems like, you know, a, a good win-win situation, which is what Brett Yormark, as you've reported, has wanted to come to since he took over as a Big 12 uh, conference commissioner. Now, you had said, you know, with the $100 million total, $50 million uh, for each school and forfeited revenue, you explained how that money would be distributed to the Big 12 schools and to Fox. But what does that mean for the Longhorns and Sooners' first year of revenue in the SEC? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be less. Um, uh, I'm I'm told about you know 18 million dollars less than what the other schools in the SEC um, will receive. Now, 
because of the projections of what the SEC is going to bring in with Texas and Oklahoma in the conference, um, those projections, you know, the schools were just distributed about $49 million um, in television revenue. That is expected to go to 60 plus million um, when Texas and Oklahoma arrive. Um, Texas officials feel like they'll they'll make up the 50 million uh, in year three of the SEC. So uh, it's a it's it's short term pain for long term gain. We know um, Texas has a healthy reserve fund, even with all the facilities expansion Texas has done. They have a healthy reserve fund. They can absorb this, um, and and so you know Oklahoma not so much, but Oklahoma is able to handle this. And one of the things that had been proposed, Taylor, was for Texas and OU to each play four games against uh, remaining Big Twelve schools, the legacy schools, and. You know, for OU fans, it might have been a way to keep the Oklahoma State rivalry going. Um, but neither Texas nor Oklahoma really had a desire to commit that many games to the, you know, the old Big 12 uh, in their non-conference schedule going forward. So they were able to avoid that. And, um, you know, in, in large part because of that, that Texas Michigan game flipping uh, to a Michigan home game in, in 2024. We're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more coming up. We'll be right back. Speaking of the media rights there, I think a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with Longhorn network. That deal that Texas had signed with ESPN to form Longhorn network was a backloaded deal that Texas would get paid more money in the the latter years of Longhorn Network uh, since it was launched in 2011. So what is going to happen to the Longhorn Network? Yeah, that's a tough one because uh, I've done the math on this. And even after the 23-24 school year, ESPN uh, would have still owed Texas $150 million on that deal. As you mentioned, it it truly was backloaded. It started at $5 million per year and graduated every year. So that's a ch huge chunk of change that uh, will basically, um, you know, prove to be a, a savings for ESPN. And even though, you know, UT officials are trying to put a positive spin on, you know, every softball and baseball game uh, continuing to be aired uh, after Texas moves into the SEC, you know, they're either going to have to add a channel to the SEC network to pull that off or um, because Longhorn network, as we know, it will go away. So, you know, we'll have to see if we're going to have an SEC Network 1 and an SEC Network 2, kind of like ESPN and ESPN 2. But, um, you know, UT officials are saying you're still going to get all your, your Longhorn sports that you've become accustomed to. It's just going to be part of the SEC Network. So, um, you know, we'll have more on that as it, um, you know, becomes clear. 
All right, Chip, good stuff there. Anything else that you think is important for people to know about, um, you know, this this change in the college football landscape, honestly, with Texas and OU finally officially joining the SEC? Well, I know Texas fans are looking at the schedule with that Michigan game going to Ann Arbor in 2024, and they're saying, now, wait a minute, we're at Alabama in 23, we're at Michigan in 24, and we're at Ohio State in 25. Where's our marquee uh, non-conference home game? And um, part of the reason that you're going to the SEC is because you're going to have a whole slate of better home games than you've had against the, you know, the Big 12 as we know it right now. So um, depending on how those schedules are formed in the SEC, um, you know, hopefully there's a, there's a LSU, Florida, uh, Auburn, whatever it is, the, the home schedule will be full of marquee games from now on. And that's that's certainly a big part of the reason that, that Texas decided to make this move. Uh, not only because uh, they feel like the SEC is the most, um, you know, the preeminent conference for football, but you improve your home game schedule so you keep your your donor base excited and happy and you're in with schools who bring the thunder you're not the the top 2 revenue earners with eight schools feeding off of you and i know that that sounds like oh how elitist and imperial is that but even as bad as texas has been in football since 2009 they still draw the most eyeballs from an audience standpoint, same with Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma's been winning. Uh, they took a step back, obviously, in the first year under Brent Venables. But um, Texas and OU command more eyeballs. And uh, it'll be interesting to me, Taylor, if as these you know dollars keep going up, um, you know, it may not be this media rights negotiation, but you saw the Big Ten do a seven-year deal. Um, they want shorter term deals because they want to be able to renegotiate. I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see the networks um, guarantee a flat number for schools and then add an incentive pool for those schools who command uh, the bigger share of the audience resulting in a, in a bigger share of revenue from say a, a pot of, incentive-based money and and because the way it's going right now you got Vanderbilt really making <laughs> as much money as Alabama I mean I, I get it I get it but you can still have everyone making the same base and then have the uh incentive pot on top of that I've heard industry sources talking about that and I think that's something that um we could be looking at uh, going forward and I do think that the Pac-12, uh, this is going to be interesting. They may end up with more games on a streaming network like Amazon or Apple than they have games on regular broadcast television. And that would be a first as well. Um, but I think that's where the most money is for the Pac-12. And um, that's, a, you know, that's a, big, a big sea change. Uh, in terms of, you know, how we consume 
our our live sports, but Amazon had good success with the NFL on Thursday night. You're seeing, you know, Google, YouTube, um, you know, buying up the rights to MLS. And, and so we may be in the, the dawning of a new age in terms of the streaming giants finally getting in and, and being real players when it comes to college athletics. Yeah. And I, I like the idea, honestly, though, when you're talking about the revenue split, um, from the distribution of the, you know, teams in the conference. I mean, it's kind of like how coaches, college coaches contracts are written, you know, it's like they have their base salary that they are guaranteed to make. And then if they make it to a bowl game, they get a bonus. If they win a bowl game, they get a bonus. You know, if they go to a conference championship, a lot of times they get a bonus. I mean, you would think that makes a lot of sense, you know, just from, um, the so you don't end up like a Texas and OU being kind of the the top two the tier of the Big Twelve and then the rest just kind of you know I don't want to say it's probably a bad term but kind of like riding their coattails a little bit you know uh, when it comes to the money and the revenue so that would make sense when we talk about revenue though and Texas having obviously a better um, conference home schedule what does that mean about season ticket holders and uh, or ticket prices in general for uh, Texas home games in the future, do you think? Well, they've done a, a pretty good job of holding those prices in part because the product hasn't been uh, good enough to raise them. But um, if Steve Sarkeesian keeps recruiting the way he's been recruiting and the recruiting starts to translate to uh, appearances in conference championship games or conference championships, then you might see the that dollar go up. Um, we'll see, we'll see. But um, I'm, I'm not. That's that's just economics, right? Uh, right. Just the law of supply and demand. But um, yeah, season ticket holders at Texas have had it pretty good. Uh, they had that Steve Patterson guy show up. And kind of change everything on them, but um, Del Conte, Chris Del Conte, has done a pretty good job of of holding uh, the the football season tickets uh, at a at a reasonable price. I guess. I mean, yeah, if, if we can say reasonable, <laughs> right? Exactly. When you have to give a donation of like, when you have to give a donation <laughs> to get the right to get the tickets you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, for Chip Brown, I am Taylor Estes. Keep it locked at horns247.com for all the latest Texas scoop.